BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is the Asian Madness Podcast. A podcast where we discuss all things true crime, morbid, mysterious, and odd from the Asian continent. I am your host, Jessica. Hi friends, welcome back to the Asian Madness Podcast. Again, hope you're all well, staying safe and staying hydrated. Water is kind of boring, but it really helps you stay healthy, at least according to every single mother ever. So today we will be looking at another case where a woman manages to do the unthinkable. Yes, murder. There was probably a time where people wouldn't think that women were capable of killing or committing other violent acts, but in reality, we know that that is not true. Crimes of passion, monetary gain, jealousy, all these can be reasons for anyone to commit murder, regardless of their gender. Today's case was something I found a while back by pure accident. So sometimes we meet people and they rub us the wrong way for whatever reason. On the surface, we see their terrible acts, but there's usually something else deeper down that made them this way. Or they have a side to them that may deserve some compassion, but it does not necessarily cancel out their terrible actions. Today's case is kind of like this, but in the worst way possible. No, we will not be discussing a terrible customer being mean to the waiter because they had a bad day. We will discuss a case involving a young woman who took all her childhood traumas with her and then took them out on her husband. Let's begin. Let's start by taking a look at a woman named Chen Dan Lei. She was born sometime in the year 1977 in Chengdu City, located in Sichuan Province in China. Her father was a professor at a university, and her mother came from a very average or perhaps even poor farming family. At a glance, you can probably see that her parents are from very different socioeconomic classes, one being well-educated and a scholar, and one from a rural traditional farming family. 
there's really nothing wrong with that because when people want to make things work and put in the effort, it can be done. When we see situations and dynamics like these, some people might jump to conclusions and assume that, oh, the man is the breadwinner and the scholar, he must be super arrogant and treats everyone else like an imbecile. But in Chen's family, this seemed to have not been the case, at least as far as sources indicate. So what is the issue then? The issue in their family actually came from Chen's mother's feelings of insecurity. She felt wildly inadequate being married to this man. He was intelligent, successful, and also the family's breadwinner. In comparison, she viewed herself as extremely subpar, uneducated, not good enough for her husband. This can go two ways. One is where you find ways to feel more important, more on track with your spouse. Not saying this has to be done, because if this person married you, they very likely love you for who you are. I should also note that it's very likely that this marriage could have been arranged. I know for a fact that this sounds very similar to my grandparents. My grandfather was very into books and writing and reading and all that stuff. But my grandmother, she was illiterate her entire life. The second way this can go is sabotage which was the case for the Chen family. Chen's mother would see every minor issue in their marriage as a sign that her husband was cheating on her. It was said that she constantly made accusations, fought with him, and overall made family life pretty miserable for everyone. She tried to keep tabs on her husband as much as humanly possible. If she saw him speaking to another woman, she would confront both him and the woman and demand to know what is going on. Whether or not he was cheating, I cannot say for sure, but it was a constant issue that deeply affected Chen, because seeing your parents fight on the regular can't be that mentally or emotionally healthy. From a young age, Chen had to witness her parents fight nearly every single day, her mother hurling accusations and insults, and her father angry and defensive. How could this kind of environment not end up negatively affecting a young, impressionable child? Since she could remember, she always felt like her family lacked the kind of safety and warmth one would expect from having a family. It left a sad and bitter taste in her mouth, as of seeing this is what marriage is all about, how it can turn people into the worst versions of themselves. Lacking a sense of control and safety from home also made her withdraw in social settings. It was said that she didn't have many friends growing up, was socially awkward, lacked self-confidence, liked to keep to herself, and would often go to school, come home, and immediately lock herself in her room. She also heavily limited her interactions with her parents, afraid to say the wrong thing or catch them while they were in a bad mood. She found solace in art and doing her schoolwork, which is probably every Asian parent's dream come true. But with her parents fighting non-stop, I can't really imagine them paying that much attention to their only child. Luckily for Chen, she may have inherited her father's inclination towards academia because school was fun for her and she was very good at it. Or maybe she saw it as an escape, something she could actually control. As soon as she hit 18 in the year 1995, she was admitted into the top university in China, Tsinghua University, 
located in the capital, Beijing. This university is ranked number 23 globally, very much comparable to the famous MIT. Despite leaving her toxic parents behind, life was still pretty difficult for Chen. She had spent most of her formative years hiding away in her room, and despite her intellect and amazing grades, she felt pretty average in the sea of her peers. In other words, life wasn't too different for her, only now she didn't have to hear her parents fight all the time. Not long after starting university, Chen's parents reached out to her to tell her that they were going to file for divorce. To be more precise, her father was filing for divorce. I guess all those fights and accusations had really worn him down, and in a time and culture where divorce was not very common, it must have been a last resort. Some people might believe that it's not good to divorce, especially when you have children, because that can break up a family and can affect a child's upbringing, aka a broken home. But staying together and subjecting everyone to this unhappiness is hardly a better choice. At least that's my opinion. Although Chen knew about her parents' struggles, the idea of her parents divorcing was still a shock to her. If someone constantly made baseless accusations about you cheating, wouldn't that get tiresome? Some would even say this is a form of emotional abuse, because honestly, that's how it appears to be. Again, I have no information or proof stating whether Chen's father cheated on his wife or not, so in this case, he may well be innocent until proven guilty. In a sense, Chen's father filing for divorce could also be perceived as him admitting guilt, and his wife, who was constantly accusing him of cheating, might see this as a gotcha moment. Like, I knew it, you were cheating on me, that's why you want to divorce me. Clearly, she had some issues that needed to be resolved, but I can't really imagine society back then being aware of mental health or therapy, especially in China. Chen's mother was against divorcing. She tried to beg him not to do it, but his mind was made up. Not long after their divorce, Chen's mother unfortunately passed away. Some sources say it was suicide. Some others say it was due to depression and just generally wasting away. Both ways are extremely sad, and as her child, it must have been so difficult going through this, seeing your parents go from married to divorced, then to this. Her mother's death made her see her father in a different light. She saw him as cruel, and that everything was his fault. Maybe she believed he cheated, or maybe she felt like he should have stuck it out. It's definitely hard to stay objective when you're involved. And it's difficult to say how much she actually knew about their issues. Some people with similar upbringings may swear off marriage and relationships for life. It's not that they don't want to find love and be in relationships necessarily, but more like they see it in a negative light, therefore associate the word marriage and relationships with pain and anguish. That was Chen for a bit, until she met someone. While in her third year at university, in the year 1998, she had a meet-cute moment with a classmate of hers. The guy's name was He Lei, and he couldn't be more different from her. He came from a middle-class working family with a normal upbringing, and personality-wise, he was very outgoing and positive. She saw in him something she always lacked, warmth, 
safety, and positivity. People say opposites attract, and I do believe that to a certain degree, or at least in certain circumstances. But just because it attracts doesn't mean it can't work out long term. Chen was quite infatuated with this guy, and she began to create opportunities for the two to talk and hang out. It wasn't long till Hele became interested in Chen, realizing that the two of them shared many similarities, though it's hard to say what. I can understand that as students, it's kind of hard to see beyond your current situation, and it's so easy to find things in common with others. You attend the same classes, have fun conversations about school and people you know, and you're physically attracted to each other? That's a good start for most. Hele allegedly, though, wanted to take it slow, and Chen noticed that he was rather hesitant to introduce her as his girlfriend to his friends. He never said she was his girlfriend at first, but he also never denied it either when his friends asked him. I guess you can refer to this as the casually dating stage. In my experience, though, casual dating is not really prevalent in East Asia, especially back in the day. It's either you are boyfriend and girlfriend or you're not. I can see why it would make her feel insecure, but also, if he needed more time, he should be able to have that. As time progressed, the friendship blossomed into something more. As cliche as it may sound, the power of love was overwhelming for her. She found herself opening up, becoming happier, even more assertive and outgoing. People can make a positive impact on others, but to completely change a person? That may be a bigger challenge. Although Chen was overall happy, she was still unable to escape her dark and suspicious thoughts. She would constantly question him on his whereabouts, what time he did what, what he ate, who he was with, etc. I know this sounds overbearing, but this couple behavior is kind of common even in Taiwan and probably maybe in China, especially for younger couples, but not in a toxic sense. Many young couples need to constantly be in touch, so at the end of the day, you'll probably know who they saw that day, what time they left their house, where they went, what they ate, what time they got to the bus stop, etc. It's not really seen as being controlling, it's simply seen as a way to stay in touch and be in the know. Tone matters too, because one is casual and curious, the other one could sound accusatory and rude. If you're with someone who is into this and you're okay with it, don't let others tell you otherwise. In Chen's case, it was a bit more toxic. Hele was okay with her keeping tabs on him, but they also began to fight because she would start accusing him of cheating or wanting to leave her. Hele did not see this as a red flag, maybe just as a woman being insecure. So despite all her accusations and tantrums, he did whatever he could to make her feel better. It's only normal for couples to fight, right? The two became more serious about one another, which eventually led to the discussion about their future. Yes, they had decided that this would be it. Marriage was definitely a matter of when, not if. Unfortunately, a tough choice had to be made. You see, both Hele and Chen were outstanding students. Hele managed to snag a graduate school scholarship at their current university in Beijing. Great news, right? Chen allegedly also received the same scholarship, 
but she was not into it. Instead, she applied for a graduate program in the U.S. and was also offered a full-ride scholarship there. Obviously, long-distance relationships can work, but just because it works for some doesn't mean everyone is willing to go through this. Thanks to the internet, it's much easier to maintain long-distance relationships nowadays. The internet was already a thing back in the late 90s, early 2000s, but it was pretty basic. It just wasn't as convenient. So maybe you're wondering, well, knowing how insecure Chen was, why would she try to apply for a university outside of China? It wasn't because she wanted to see the world or wanted another experience. It was alleged that she was tired from her daily suspicions of her boyfriend cheating, so this was actually an attempt of creating a new life for the both of them to keep him away from his female friends. How true that is or whether Hulei knew about this plan, I cannot say for sure, but it very well could have backfired if he had chosen to stay. But after discussing the situation thoroughly, Hulei told Chen that he wanted to support her dreams and would be willing to give up his scholarship and travel to the U.S. with her, if that was what she wanted. This is honestly quite sweet. It's way more common to hear of a woman following the man's dream, being supportive and giving up her hustle, but not in this case. Hale seemed to be truly devoted, and if it made his girlfriend happy, he was all for it. The next part I'm a little unsure of, but here's what I've read from different sources. Chen and Hale were in love, but no amount of love was going to completely put her at ease and it's very likely that her insecurities in her relationship stem from her parents' issues. Hale seemed to know about her history and was very understanding, so after the two decided they would travel to the U.S., they tied the knot so they could start this new chapter of their lives as husband and wife. In another version, it was said that the two tied the knot when they arrived in the U.S., where Hale traveled to the U.S. with Chen on an accompanying student visa, Either version works, because it doesn't really change the outcome of the case, though it probably makes more sense if they got married in China rather than in a foreign place. It would also make more sense if Hele traveled to the U.S. as a spouse rather than a boyfriend. I'm not sure how strict immigration policies were back in the day, but if it's anything like it is today, it would have been rather tough. So off they went to start their new lives in the state of Indiana at Purdue University, where Chen began her program for chemical engineering. Like I said, Chen was a brilliant student, but being book smart wasn't nearly enough. Moving to a new country and adjusting to a new culture is hard, especially when you're not fluent in the language and feel like you're too different. Chen's personality was pretty withdrawn when it came to anyone who wasn't her husband. Right off the bat, she had a lot of trouble adjusting to her new life. She was unable to connect with any of her classmates, had arguments with her teachers, had some trouble adjusting to a curriculum that was all in English, and also experienced frustration from not being with her husband all the time. Or to be more exact, not able to keep an eye on him 24-7. But as we know, Hale was very outgoing and friendly. Although he didn't travel to the U.S. to study, he felt like he could use this time to try and better himself. He began to look into the graduate school studies at Purdue as well, 
and in no time, he was admitted into the mechanical engineering program. Once Hale started school, he wasted no time befriending new people, many of them overseas Chinese students as well. He made friends, made plans outside of school, and this bothered his wife immensely. Her life consisted of school and home. She did not have friends, had no desire to make friends. All she wanted was to be with her husband at home. This is cute for the first couple of months of a relationship, but probably not very healthy or feasible in the long run. As I probably mentioned, I am terrible with signing up to free trials on websites and apps, whether it's a game, some type of new tracker, all of them. What can I say? I like new games and stuff. While that's all fun and exciting, it's not so great when you simply forget about it and by the time you realize it, ooh, you've been charged a good amount for the next month or year. That's not surprising, as about 80% of the general population have had subscriptions they forgot about, and we greatly underestimate how much is going into subscriptions. What's worse than that is when you try to cancel later. You have to go through a million links or customer service agents. And this is why Rocket Money is such a helpful tool to have with you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bill, all in one place. Not only will they identify unwanted subscriptions and make it easy to cancel, it also helps you monitor your expenses in one place, helps you set a budget, and notify you when you're acting a little too rich for your wallet. Over 3 million people have tried Rocket Money, and seriously, every little bit of saving counts. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com madness. That's rocketmoney.com madness. rocketmoney.com madness. Chen began to spiral as time went on. Her overthinking was out of control, constantly wondering if her husband was actually at school or wherever he said he was at. Perhaps he was cheating on her, or maybe he had thoughts of divorcing her. The couple began to argue again, with her questioning him, accusing him, and him defending himself and trying to appease her. He began to adjust his schedule, returning home early every night so she wouldn't have a reason to suspect him. None of this really helped much, though, because in a sense, Chen had pretty much made up her mind. Even when her husband was home with her, she would wonder if he was secretly thinking of someone else, if he was hoping to go meet other women. In situations like these, there is no way Hele can win. Chen's words were vicious, and while her husband tried to be understanding at first, it was only a matter of time until his patience and kindness ran out. This is not the life he imagined for himself, and as far as we know, he never did anything to make her suspicious. His attitude then changed. He began to ignore her, only speaking to her when necessary. They fought constantly, though, and during one of their fights, he told her something along the lines of, You see all these overseas students and the ones married, the ones with wives? None of them are like you. You are the worst one. Harsh words indeed, 
This upset her to no end. Comparing your partner to somebody else is pretty bad, though. She did not want to go down the same path as her parents, as in divorce. She swore to herself that she would never find herself divorced. She would rather be widowed. Although the couple fought constantly, things never really went overboard. Until it did. The first time things got out of hand was during Christmas of 2004. One account states the following. Hale's friends had thrown a Christmas get-together, and he went without Chen. Maybe because she didn't want to go. He didn't get back home till after midnight, and a fight broke out as soon as he returned home. I don't think any of them were happy at this point. How could anyone be? Fighting all the time, being mean to each other, feeling worthless. The fight continued until Hale had allegedly mentioned the word divorce. That one word. Chen flew into a rage, grabbed anything she could get a hold of, and started throwing them at her husband. She pretty much lost control and was attacking him nonstop, and it wasn't until she noticed blood on her hands did she finally snap out of it. Apparently, in her rage, she had grabbed a kitchen knife and stabbed her own husband. He was still conscious, most likely in shock, and once she realized what she had done, she dropped the knife and drove him to the hospital. Luckily for Hale, the stab wound wasn't very deep, nor did it hit any vital organs. He was quickly patched up and was told to take it easy. Chen, though, was taken into custody by the police. Instead of focusing on his own well-being, he went ahead and paid $50,000 to bail her out. He loved her, no doubt, and in a way, he really wanted to make her happy. Maybe he thought that he could fix her help her. The police were kind of concerned for him too, telling him to be careful. Just because she made bail doesn't mean she's totally free though. She was due back in court sometime in the future because it was considered an attempted murder charge, and the police also confiscated her passport, worried that she could be a flight risk. Similarly to the last episode, you don't really expect your spouse to kill you even though they have issues. After all, you live with them, see them all the time. You know them so well, right? Well, not surprisingly, things did not improve in any way, shape, or form. It was so bad that Chen had to withdraw from her graduate school program. She just couldn't focus. Arguments, silent treatments, angry spats between the couple continued. No one goes into a marriage thinking they will divorce. But let's be real. Sometimes it happens, and it's for the benefit and safety of all parties. Not long after the stabbing incident, Hale once again mentioned that forbidden word to Chen. Divorce. She was immediately reminded of what happened to her mother, how she had spent the last years of her life depressed, wasting away. If her father had never insisted on divorce, her mother would still be alive. This rattled her to the core, and as stated before, she had sworn that she would never find herself divorced. On August 18, 2005, about eight months after stabbing him, Chen made a decision that would take her on a path of no return. As you may know, America is the land of guns. Not saying everybody loves guns and owns guns, but it's ridiculously easy to get a gun. And carrying a gun is considered mostly legal. 
but just how easy was it to get one? She literally went online and bought a gun under a fake name. That's how easy it was. No ID check, no background check, nothing. Obviously, this was probably an illegal transaction, but either way, it was very easy. The following day, while He Lei was sleeping, she took the gun out and shot him once in the head, killing him instantly. After realizing what she had done, Chen began to panic hard. Not sure if it was regret or just shock, but she grabbed a clothing item and tried to stop his bleeding. Obviously, though, it was too late, and she eventually accepted what she had done. No, she did not turn herself into the police or leave immediately. Instead, she carried on living her life as normal. Sure, people noticed that Hulei wasn't around as much and was missing classes, but this could have been explained away easily. Like, oh, he has the flu, stomach bug, emergency travel, whatever. So what did she do? She left his body in the bed for seven days. Maybe she was trying to figure things out. Maybe she wanted to spend more time with him. Or maybe she just didn't care. She probably would have stayed that way forever if it wasn't for the fact that it was summer and bodies tend to decompose. Around the seven-day mark, the stench was becoming quite unbearable. So she did the next logical thing, in her mind. She dismembered his body. Chen is a very petite woman, and while I can't say for sure how much larger He Lei was, she would have definitely struggled to carry him anywhere. After dismembering his body, she stored the parts in her fridge, then attempted to contact a random person online to help her dispose of the body. I guess the internet was young back then, but definitely not naive. She got a gun from the internet, and she tried to find a body disposer too. I don't believe that deal went through, though, as you'll see later on. Once her discreet affairs had been taken care of, she decided she needed to leave. It was only going to be a matter of time until people started to seriously question Hulei's whereabouts. And as we know, he was an outgoing person with many friends. She could cover up for a week or two, sure, but probably not longer than that. Not only was she worried about getting found out, she was also due to go to court for the stabbing incident. She knew that this could snowball into something even bigger. After making final preparations, she grabbed her dead husband's passport, dressed up in his clothes, grabbed all the dismembered parts of her husband from the fridge, and stuffed them in the trunk of a car. She drove herself to O'Hare International Airport in Chicago, parked the car, and boarded a flight back to Shanghai, China. That's right, she left her dismembered, decomposing husband in the trunk. It's absolutely crazy to me that she was able to get through security and immigration with her husband's passport, especially in the U.S. where security is insane. And remember, this is after 9-11. I get it. She dressed like a guy, probably wore a hoodie, got a haircut, whatever. Part of me wonders if it's also something to do with race. According to an article from Frontiers.org, there's this thing called own race bias where, quote, unfamiliar faces from other races are usually remembered more poorly than own race faces, unquote. When you're not familiar with another race, maybe it's harder to tell people apart. 
I do not mean that in a racist way, because maybe, say, as a white person, you're more familiar with those that are similar to you, for example, facial structure. Same thing if you're Asian and you might have trouble remembering faces of those that are not Asian. Just my thoughts. But back to Chan. Not only was it someone else's ID, it was someone of the opposite gender. I can't remember, but was fingerprinting not a thing back in 2005? The first half of her mission was a success, and the second part would be to get through China's customs and immigration. Her flight landed in Shanghai on August 26, 2005, and airport officers immediately noticed something was not right. She was not the person in her passport. Whoops. So, based on the own race bias theory, it then makes a lot more sense for a Chinese person to notice when someone isn't who they say they are, especially in person, with passport in hand. Her plan was quickly exposed, and authorities from the U.S. and China became involved. She initially attempted to lie her way through it, because she had been lying for quite a bit. What's one more lie? Hele's parents were also notified of the situation, and when Chen was questioned on why she was using her husband's passport, she claimed that she had lost hers, but was in a hurry to return to China for some urgent business. So she decided to use Hele's instead. Lady, this is not a bus pass or an event ticket where you can just swap users like that. Obviously, what she was saying sounded fake. And once the U.S. authorities got involved, they discovered exactly what she was hiding. Not only did she miss her date at the courthouse, she was nowhere to be found. And when police entered her residence in the U.S., there was no doubt that some kind of crime had been committed as the place reeked of death. Not long after, the police also received a call about a strange stench emanating from a parked car at O'Hare International Airport. And finally, Hale's remains were found on August 29, 2005. It was confirmed that Chen had brutally murdered her husband. At this point, she had no choice but to come clean. The U.S. and China do not have extradition treaties meaning if you commit a crime in the U.S. then fly to China, you cannot be taken to the U.S. to face justice. Of course, they may choose to work together and testify in court if need be. This was the case with Chen. Although the crime took place outside of China, Chen was still guilty of multiple things, and I would think especially so since the person she killed was also a Chinese citizen. Investigators from China were also sent to Indiana to investigate the crime and collect evidence. They needed to get a better picture of what took place so they could bring it back with them. I'm not super familiar with how the courts work in China, but here's the aftermath. Chen was put on trial for first-degree murder and for dismembering and disposing of Hele's remains in September of 2006. There was just too much evidence against her so it did not take long for them to declare her guilty, and she was then handed a suspended death sentence. According to the internet, a suspended death sentence basically means if you're good and not found guilty of other crimes during the first two years after your sentence has begun, your quote-unquote death sentence is then reduced to life imprisonment, or less. 
But if you're found to have committed other crimes or behaved badly in prison, your death sentence will remain with you until you're executed. In the year 2017, a Chinese journalist was sent to conduct an interview with Chen for a television show. At this point, she's been in prison for more than a decade. Let's see what she has to say for herself. When asked about what kind of person she was, Chen described herself as somebody who disliked going out and preferred to stay home. She also wished that her husband would have stayed home with her all the time. Even though her husband complimented her looks from time to time, she was always very skeptical and suspicious, because when he said that she was pretty, she would think, No, I'm not. Why are you even with me? She simply could not understand what he saw in her, knowing how she was very introverted, not very friendly, and not especially good-looking, according to her. You can clearly see that she has major self-esteem issues, and instead of working on those herself, she projected them onto her husband. When asked about what went through her mind when she decided to kill her husband, she explained that, for her, marriage was forever. If they got divorced, she knew for a fact that he would get over it and find somebody else, while she would have stayed alone and depressed forever. After much agony, she decided to kill him because she was in pain. There is a Chinese saying that roughly translates to, You're going to be in pain. Might as well make it quick. You're going to die. Might as well make it happen sooner. This saying makes sense in some contexts. Kind of like the phrase, ripping off the band-aid, get it over with. But in her case, it meant something rather negative. She was in pain, and she didn't want to be in pain anymore, so she took his life away. And although she thought about ending her own life, she just couldn't do it. A few things before I end this episode. I mentioned earlier that Chen supposedly found a guy online to get rid of her husband's remains, but more likely than not, this was made up. Maybe it was a way for her to relieve some of the guilt. Who knows? Police were never able to track down such a person, even by going through her internet records. Another thing that might be of interest. Did she end up getting the death sentence after two years, or did she get a reduced sentence? This genuinely shocked me because China's justice system seems a bit less forgiving than many other countries, at least in my opinion. Her sentence had been reduced several times over the years, 2011, 2013, 2015, 2016, and the most recent one that I found, 2019. This is wild. It was said that she behaved very well while in prison, and not just that, she seemed to have displayed genuine remorse. So when will she be getting out? According to sources online, she could be out in 2025. That's like two years away. Is China ready to receive her back into society? So there you have it. The murder of a young, happy, successful man who probably could have gone on to do great things in life. Chen had a troubled upbringing. There's no denying that. But was it fair for her to bring it on to someone else? Someone unrelated to her trauma? As a spouse in a healthy relationship, I understand Hulei's intentions. He wanted to help her get through her dark times and thoughts, make her feel like she mattered. But for her, 
She wanted everything on her terms, which eventually led her down this path. And even on her terms, things were never enough. Do you have any sympathy for someone like this? I may have mentioned this before, but there is a saying in Chinese that goes something like, the pitiful person must also have an insufferable side to them. Basically, things are not always black and white. While Chen was the victim, in a sense, regarding her upbringing, she used that, perhaps unintentionally, to do harm. What do you think? Was her punishment fair? I strongly believe that this is a case of domestic abuse. And as we know, it doesn't necessarily have to be physical abuse. As I think, Chen inflicted a lot of emotional abuse on her husband, which eventually turned physical. Life is short. Life can be painful. But we can all try our best to work through it with our loved ones. Thank you all so much for tuning in and for supporting this podcast. Please stay safe and till next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness podcast. If you enjoyed my content, please rate and review me on iTunes. If you would like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or email me at asianmadnesspod at gmail.com. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.